Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, January 26, 2022. I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. And I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tiamanini. And uh, this is our second show of the week, which means it's going to be even more silly than it usually is. Are you guys physically, emotionally ready? I don't think so, but here we are. Uh, first of Broadway news, the official Broadway revival of For Color Girls Who Have Considered Suicide When the Rainbow is Enough will now begin performances on April 1st um, with an opening night of April 20th at the Booth Theater. Me personally, guys, I would never do anything on April 1st. I feel like people just think it's a joke, mm-hmm. uh, but I understand that they did have to move this by a month because um, they're just the, the team rightfully so uh, postponed rehearsals because of the the variant. They're just, you know, nervous about being in the city, which totally makes sense. The production was previously scheduled to start previews on March 4th. But this news, you know, like this is not the first time that we've seen this, you know, Paradise Square, Mr. Saturday Night, they've all delayed their preview dates by at least a month because of the high COVID numbers throughout the city. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a smart thing to do, not only for health and safety purposes, but also for tourist purposes. Like, normally you want to have shows up and running in early to mid-March so that you can capitalize on the spring break, folks. But I'm going to assume that there's not going to be as many spring break folks as normal. So um, I think this is just a, a wise and prudent move all around. Um, also, I hate April Fool's Day stuff. It's just the absolute That's worst. Silly. Anybody who does, like, those fake... Um, articles and they're like this long super in-depth thing and then at the end they're like haha just kidding april fools i dislike you as a human being just throwing that out there yeah stop it also whenever people do like the uh oh we're we're expecting just kidding it's so insensitive to people that cannot have children for whatever reason Yeah, I always notice it every year. I'm just like, what are you doing? <laughs> everything about April Fool's Day is bad if you are over the age of eight. If you're eight and under, I will allow it. Anybody over that? Yeah. And chill. I'm eight and a half, so... You and Fellini. <laughs> Me and... That's a film joke. Yeah, uh, fine, let's go off Broadway. Should we go off Broadway? Fine, because I want to talk about this because I'm sad. So off Broadway at Classic Stage Company today, they announced on social media that they were terminating the rest of the Assassin's Run due to multiple COVID cases that were positive within the company. Look, they're taking the necessary precautions. It just is heartbreaking that this run is already, you know, we waited two years for this. And, um, you know, the fact that people are finally getting to go see it is wonderful. And I hate that it's now over prematurely. You know, these people didn't realize they they sang, you know, their ballads for the last time on stage. Um, so I, my heart goes out to everyone attached to that project because I know it's been a labor of love for everyone. Yeah, I think they were only running through the end of this week. So it's not like it was a ton of performances, but like imagine that if you were so excited that they extended and you got a ticket for the last week and then... They had to cancel the last week. Like, that's really that's really disappointing because of how hard it's been to get this show on stage and how much people were looking forward to it when it was announced. And then when Sondheim passed away, it's just uh, super disappointing for everybody involved on stage and in the audience. Uh, Judy Kuhn mentioned on Twitter earlier this week that she had been uh, diagnosed with COVID. So she is at least one of those cast members who has openly confirmed her positive test results. So we send out our best to everybody who is ill and, and hope that in some form or fashion, um, everybody gets their assassins fill, um, whether that's on stage or in their ear holes sometime in the future. Fair enough. In an article for the New York Times by Michael Paulson, a Hollywood organization is turning its eyes to theater gatekeepiness. I'm looking at you. 
not you specifically. I don't know who I'm looking at, but okay. I'm looking at you. The gatekeepers. Uh, so, the, <laughs> the uh, so the blacklist boosts the careers of underdiscovered writers by kind of like drawing attention to high quality, unproduced scripts. We know that they are rampant throughout the world, but uh, a lot of times these things don't get on people's desks unless you know someone or your dad was famous or whatever it is. So they've just announced uh, that they would begin inviting playwrights and musical writers to share their work with gatekeepers in the theater, film and television industries with the goal of helping them, you know, find representation, get feedback, land productions and, you know, all of these mediums. Um, Four well-regarded nonprofit theaters, including Miami New Drama in Florida, Movement Theater Company in New York, Victory Gardens in Chicago, and Woolly Mammoth Theater in Washington, D.C., have each agreed to commission a new play or musical from a writer whose work surfaces through that project, and those commissions are worth uh, at least uh, $10,000 each. So I know that Jeremy O'Harris was doing a similar project um, during quarantine times, um, I'm I'm hoping this is a good thing. I hope that I, I'm always very protective of people, especially underrepresented people's IPs, because if they are getting to be seen and read throughout, you know, the industry, something the likelihood of something getting ripped off is far higher. Um, so I just I hope that this is beneficial for creators and not um, just an opportunity to <laughs> exploit people. <laughs> you, but it seems not, like it is good. Are you not familiar with the blacklist? At all? No. Okay. The blacklist is huge. Like this is a. Oh, I mean, very... I've heard of them, but I meant with theater. That's what makes me nervous. Well, all. the thing is, is that they are going to be involved with this, and this is not going to be something that is just willy nilly here. Take a look at the script. Like these are major films that have been mm-hmm. produced that have appeared on the blacklist. Everything from like um, Babel and Nick and Nora's playlist, The Kite Runner, Black Snake Moan, going back to like the early aughts, even things um, more recently like Free Guy was on there. I, Tanya was on there. Um, you know, just a ton of things. King Richard, which is going to probably win some Oscars, was a blacklist film in 2018. I loved it. Yeah, there's a ton of really successful scripts that have gotten produced because of their inclusion on the blacklist. Um, and this is something that was started by um, by Franklin Leonard, um, who at the time was like a development um, a, a assistant or something at, uh, I think, Universal. And he's now become a film kind of executive of his own. And this is a this is a legit thing. Like, this is a big deal. And I think having the opportunity to kind of bring some of the successes that they've had in the film world to theater is an opportunity to get people who otherwise wouldn't be able to get their foot in the door opportunities oh, to have yeah. their plays read and plays produced. It's obviously a much different world than than film um, because there is you know limited stage time and space for plays. But we see it every year where it's the same shows getting done around the country, things that either are just coming from Broadway and they have like this buzz about them, which I'm totally fine with because a lot of times yeah. if there are new shows, that's <laughs> good. But then we also see the same kind of O'Neill's and Miller's and yeah. Chekhov's and Shakespeare's. And those are great. And I love seeing those. But if to have the opportunity for these regional theaters, especially um, to be on the cutting edge of bringing new scripts and new storytellers to the forefront, I think that's a huge opportunity for artists of all different groups, especially marginalized groups who can't, you know, push their way into a lot of the nonprofit New York theater intelligence. Yeah, I think this is a very, very big deal. And I think that this is going to end up being a huge 
force in theater across the country for years to come. Yeah. So the only, the only kind of like, again, I'm always like skeptical of like how new work is being put out there and what's the catch. And like, you know, I'm seeing a lot of Twitter discourse about the fact that like, in order to upload your work, it costs $30 a month. Um, so, you know, things like new play exchange have already existed for uh, a lot of playwrights where, you know, we get to share our work, um, and, in the most expensive account is like $18 a year <laughs> for like writer pro for them. And so when you're talking about like accessibility and, you know, trying to like tear down the gatekeeping nature of, um, this type of industry charging playwrights $30 to, uh, keep their work visible on the site for you know, the, the blacklist. I don't know that that's really the angle. Um, I'm just trying to, to relay the discourse that is happening that I'm seeing today. Um, yeah. all of that is just, you know, what, what people are talking about that I follow. So, um, yeah, that's all that's I want to flag. Yeah. That's a very Ken Davenport thing to do, which makes me uncomfortable. Boop. So let's take a second from the show to talk about our sponsor for this week, Broadway Records. And I know that you all know that I am affiliated, (laughs) so I am biased. But uh, this year, Broadway Records is proud to announce 10 years of creating memorable musical moments. And for a decade, like they have led the industry with Grammy winning records and they're they're dedicated to releasing the best Broadway cast recordings. I own many copies of them, (laughs) as well as preserving legacy musical theater and theater vocalist repertoire. While the past 10 years have included a ton of exciting concept recordings, cast albums, solo projects, and much, much more, what's really cool is that they recently announced a groundbreaking partnership with the National Theatre in London and the Roundabout Theatre Company. And if you need your live album fix and can't make it to New York, Broadway Records has literally dozens of live albums recorded at the historic Fine Stance 54 Below. Some of my favorites is <laughs> Annalee Ashford's New Year's Eve concert and Laura Benanti's, um, what is it, In Search of uh, the Right Kind of Attention or something like that. Um, those are like literally some of the best theater albums Um, you can ever hear are the Live at 54 albums from Broadway Records. So creating opportunities for musical theater fans around the globe to enjoy a new generation of cast recordings and artists' albums is part of the passion. So cast recordings are the heartbeat of honoring past and future generations of musical theater. That's literally how we are able to still enjoy pieces of theater because not all of us have slime tutorials, people, nor do we celebrate them always, you know? (laughs) Like my, my personal favorite is listening to Groundhog Day because I put myself back in the place of being at that first preview and I just go like wow they really did this concert in front of us when they were still working on this show when they were still figuring some things out and it just it puts me back and it makes me happy so um, if you're gonna listen to an album this weekend listen to Groundhog Day uh, or or Kate Rockwell Back mm-hmm. to My Roots one of my favorite uh, favorite solo albums one. I love it so much but it's not just those that have like been released for a while now. They also have new releases, including Roundabout Theatre Company's recent critically acclaimed new Broadway cast recording of Caroline or Change and National Theatre's Hex, which, Grace, you and I have talked about a couple of times here on Broadway Radio. So for more information, you can follow their Spotify profile under Broadway Records. Follow them on social media to learn more about upcoming recordings at B-Way Records and explore the entire catalog at broadwayrecords.com. Listen to your Broadway favorites and discover something new by going to broadwayrecords.com. Starting in April, a new law will require companies in New York City with at least four employees. So like 
every company in New York (laughs) to include salary ranges in their job postings. Companies that don't share that information could be hit with fines up to $125,000. So I'm going to quote a former councilwoman and co-creator of the bill, Helen Rosenthal. Lack of salary transparency is discriminatory and anti-worker. We've been saying this, but the fact, the reason this is important is because so many theater companies, when they post job descriptions, do not, they're not transparent with the salary. Um, they, and it becomes really discriminatory. Like she said, it becomes really anti-worker. It it ultimately could really help a lot of the theater industry, especially when it comes to equity. So I'm really excited for this to become a a thing. I hope that this passes and that, um, we're able to create a more equitable future for theater makers, especially in New York city. Yeah. I mean, this is always good to know, not only, the price or the, the the salary for jobs that you're applying to, which is obviously super important because you hate to get down the road like six interviews in and then like, oh, yeah, this job pays seven twenty five an hour. That mm-hmm. sucks. But it also helps to make sure that there's not discrimination going on between different people at the same job levels, whether that's um, a, a man and a woman, a, a, a black person and a white person, whatever, making sure that everybody is on equal footing and all of that is public is a major, major deal. Um, And I think that's important in the arts where it's one thing for the performers where we generally know what the performers are going to be making because things are slotted in due to equity contract. But there's a lot of other things around the edges and a lot of other places in the arts that it is really just nebulous and people are kind of shamed into taking less just because they want to work in the arts. Having the opportunity to know exactly what you are going to be paid before you accept a job is a really, really big deal. And I I think that this is great, not only for all of New York State, because it's not just applying to arts, but especially for the arts where there's so much about this like, starving artist, you know, ethos that people are forced to to be in or like, oh, you should be happy that you have a job in the arts. Isn't that what you wanted? Like, this is part of the gig. No, that's not how things should be. Everybody deserves to make the decision. Like if you if you're comfortable with a lower salary, that's fine. But you should have the opportunity to know what the what the situation is before you get in, you know, to an entire hiring process. Yeah. And all of us in the arts are just like wanting to have that job, you know what I mean? And so like the more we can make it an, an equitable, I guess, like theatrical landscape, the better everyone is. So that's what I say. I stuck my tongue out. You couldn't see it. (laughs) Uh, in casting news, the first national tour, uh, cast of Moulin Rouge, the musical is set to begin in March in Chicago. And then joining the previously announced cast of Courtney Reed and Connor Ryan are Austin Durant, Andre Ward, David Harris, Gabe Martinez, Libby Lloyd, and Hadestown Yvette Gonzalez Naser is the alternate for Satine and she is fantastic. So um, I'm I'm thrilled to see her uh, get to go on possibly when Courtney is out. Um, I'm, I'm just thrilled. They've announced their entire cast. Yeah. um, I interviewed um, uh, Yvette back when she was Cha-Cha D. Gregorio in Greece live. Um, She's great. But I mean, I think this is really great. Austin Durant as Harold Zidler will be really, really fun. Um, uh, you know, I think this is great. I'm, I, I've seen the show twice on Broadway. I'm looking forward to seeing it when it is out on the road. I had never seen Courtney Reed in anything until I saw Cambodian rock band. And I was like, Oh, like I obviously knew who she was from Aladdin and actually back to like submissions only days. But then like when I saw her in Cambodian rock band, I was like, Oh, she's, 
she's like legit good. Like this is, she's the real deal. So I'm very excited to see that. And we've had, I, I interviewed Connor Ryan um, here on Broadway Radio back in Desperate Measures days. So excited to see those Aww, two on stage together. Very nice. So over at New World Stages, Gazillion Bubble Show announced that it will be on a hiatus starting Saturday, January 29th, and the show will resume performances on Friday, April 1st. Again, people come in with that April 1st date, but at least you're not going to forget. No, you're not going to forget, but I have to ask, if they're going to take effectively two months off, does that decrease the number of bubbles in the show so that they have to legally, so that it's not false advertising, change the name of the gazillion bubble show is it like would would that be taking it down to a bazillion bubble show oh i hope not keep it at gazill guys we've got to keep it at that top tier gazillion level i know so maybe they just need to add more bubbles in when they're back to make up so they don't get hit with some sort of advertising fine yeah and and we we will be the ones to tell you about it just telling you I'm going to go and count. I'm going to count every single bubble to make sure that there is actually a gazillion of them. Don't invite Matt to your bubble shows, people. <laughs> it's a bore. So Barrington Stage Company has announced their 2022 season. So we're not going to go through every single single one of them, but there are a lot of exciting opportunities here. So A Little Night Music, um, which had been previously announced to honor Stephen Sondheim, that will happen. It will happen. Ashley will be there. I will be there. I, I will be I there I feel like spirit. I have to go. Yeah. I feel like I have to go. Like, I've never seen a production of A Little Night Music, and they are so few and far between. Like, I feel like I have to, have to, have to go see this. I was flown for my 18th birthday to see Bernadette Peters and Elaine Stritch in... I'll- was it Elaine Stritch? Yeah, yeah. because I'll because the woman that. next to me was so upset that she wasn't seeing Angela Lansbury, she left. I was like, what are you doing? And then a cell phone went off right before Sin and the Clowns, and... I will never forget Bernadette Peters literally looking over at the audience member and just staring. And this was this was before the Patty Lapone moment, let me tell you. And the audience stopped and you just hear it like the music cease. She looks at this person, then the person like, I guess, turns off their phone. And then Bernadette Peters just like slowly with the pursed lip looks down at the orchestra. She goes again. <laughs> and then they start it and then she starts and sitting in the clouds and people's erupted in applause and i was like this is the best birthday of my whole life and it's true so go see a little night music anyways uh barrington okay. stage company is doing a misbehaving the fats waller musical show in june then nilo cruises 2003 pulitzer prize winning play anna and the tropics then the world premiere of all of me which is a new play by laura winters brent uh, Ascari's Andy Warhol in Iran is June is this year in June, uh, featuring a fictionalized account of artist Andy Warhol's famed 1976 visit to Tehran. I did not realize that was a thing, and I am intrigued. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, I hate Andy Warhol, but that's another story. Um, the season concludes with a revival of Waiting for Godot. So there's a lot to see there. Lots of new works, lots of famous Pulitzer Prize winning. And then, of course, Sondheim. It sounds like a great season. Congratulations, Barrington Stage Company, because yeah. I like I like the diversity there. That's all I'm yeah. saying. Pittsfield, Mass. Represent. Uh, boom, boom, boom. So in an article for Deadline, Ian McKellen, star of the movie musical Cats, would like to be cast in a musical. Yes, that is how that is how everybody knows him. Ian McKellen, the star of the movie musical Cats. That is 100 percent. Arguably, he was the star of the movie musical Cats. I'm waiting to hear what else he does. 
he told Deadline that he wants to be cast in a musical. He says, I can hold a tune, but I'm not a proper singer. But then he but then he was like, but I'm available, but incompetent. And I was like, on that basis alone, why are we not putting Ian McKellen front and center for Mr. Saturday Night Replacement? Like, what are we doing, Ian? <laughs> we got to get him back on stage. He loves the stage. He does. I'm available, but incompetent is either going to be the title of my memoir or the header on my resume. Yeah, tattoo it to my lower back. So <laughs> so finally, in recommendations, we've got like a little sneak preview of Emily Kuchow's performance in Phantom of the Opera on Broadway. And she, first of all, looks stunning. That goes without saying, but she sounds incredible. And mm-hmm. I am thrilled that there will be people in that audience that will feel represented on stage for the first time. They will see themselves as a leading lady, perhaps for the first time, especially in uh, this iconic musical um i'm i'm thrilled that this is being shared it was uh an entertainment weekly i think exclusive too. like the the video is really stunning so we've shared it with you in our show notes today yeah wonderful wonderful thing i'm glad that they um are making a big deal of it i understand that this is just for their own promotional purposes and they are doing it to pat themselves on the back after 34 years of not having a black christine but it's never too late to do the right thing so i am glad that they are doing it now Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And don't forget about our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Broadway Radio. And you can find me on all social media platforms at It's Grace Aki. Matt, where can people find you? Um, Nowhere. Just nowhere. Don't find me. Dare you. All right. Thanks so much. Never look at Matt in the eyes. Never follow him. He doesn't have social. I do not. The end. Thank you guys so much. We will see you tomorrow. 